Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the New Media Show. My name is Todd Cochran. I want to welcome you to the New Media Show. We've got a great show lined up for you this morning. Of course, I want to give a warm, warm introduction to my co-host, Mr. Rob Greenlee. Good morning, Rob. Good morning. It's great to be back on the New Media Show. There's always interesting stuff to chat about. That is for sure. And uh, and Ernest, I'm going to. You're going to have to square me away here. How do you pronounce your last name? Barbaric is totally fine. Barbaric. Bar. I bet you had a lot of fun with that as a as a kid. <laughs> you know what? I am. Uh, I'm originally from Croatia, and so uh, so the pronunciation of my last name has always been one of those things that I've just I've just let go about 20 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. Well, I have to I have to ask though because your video image is absolutely stellar. What are you using for a webcam? So this is just the uh, stock MacBook Pro webcam, but I think the bigger the bigger issue is is the lighting. So I have uh, I have some uh, studio lights on, and then I yeah. have, like, I have three soft boxes around me. Oh, it's the the video the the audio. I mean. <laughs> It looks beautiful. So yeah, I'm really glad to hear that. I was a little bit concerned it was too white, too 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 blown out. No, 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 absolutely perfect. So uh, it's it's sometimes uh, we get all kinds of uh, in- interesting uh, video feeds, but no, no, absolutely awesome. So good. For- That's really glad to hear. <laughs> Plus, he also has a good uh, good good choice in microphones. He's using the Shure the SM7B. So. Yeah, and and Rob, I think he's got his. Uh, tied into a little better amplifier than you do so uh, uh well yeah that's probably true <laughs> unfortunately yeah I'll, so, just, I'll just have to speak up today a little it, bit more there you go for those of you that uh well probably none of you know and and i we're just meeting ernest this morning for the first time as well is ernest is the i guess do we want to say the founder or the creator of pod summit that's going to be happening in, in montreal um, it's a captain in Calgary, actually. Oh, Calgary. And you can say Calgary, either founder yeah. or creator. Either one will work. So this will be um, Western Canada's first podcast conference because we know that there's been a lot of uh, podcast conferences in the Toronto area and Quebec as well. So uh, uh, good for you. Congratulations on uh, on organizing the show. Yeah, thanks so much. It's been a, it's been a really interesting journey so far. Well, we are. Uh, I spent a little time this morning talking with Ernest about that, and of course, uh, you know, just covering what's going on in the space, and uh, that'll be kind of the the topic for the day, as it normally is here. But uh, before we get before we dive too deep in uh, and and talk about Pod Summit, I do want to talk about the announcement that Apple made uh, earlier in the week about their branding change. Rob, any thoughts on the? Uh, now we are Apple Podcast instead of iTunes Podcast. So what do you what do you think of the branding change? I think it was a long overdue because uh, I mean I mean I don't know about Utah, but whenever I referred to Apple's platform, I was like conflicted. Do I call it the the Apple Podcast area or the Apple Podcast app or the iTunes Podcast area? So I think it it definitely really cleaned up uh, our ability to communicate. And I know. You know, I I called it at Microsoft. Uh, it was you know podcasts at Microsoft. So it was. Um, um, I just think they're catching up. So it was good. You know, I've I've always kind of referred to it as the Apple Podcast app. I've never called it the iTunes app. You know, I've, I've talked about iTunes obviously, but 
for me, it uh, yeah definitely cleans up the the branding. And I, I also noticed that they made an announcement that it makes me wonder what could be forthcoming. And I don't know if everyone got this or not, or maybe it's just um, you know maybe uh, you know networks like ours got the message. But they're going to be doing something on the twenty first. They're going to be offline with the podcast.apple.com for six to nine hours or something like that on the 20 on the 21st so i wonder if we're going to see something else being brought online and wonder if they're rolling in new infrastructure that well be you know changing the name may be just the beginning of uh seeing some significant uh, updates so that's exciting well, to hear it stayed. Uh, it stayed the same for a very long time, and and and, and uh, so I think it'll be interesting because it really seems like Apple is rebranding a lot of their uh, products the same way. So they're getting away from the iMac and i things. So um, I think this is just part of the overall branding change that Apple is going through. But in terms of podcast specifically, I think that with the growth of the medium, I think we're probably going to see a little bit more. Um, changes to the infrastructure as well, especially with you know high end high end places like um, you know New York Times and and those kind of companies coming on board. I think they're probably going to be looking at how do we cater to those types of uh, large audience gainers essentially for them in a better to a, to a better degree. Uh, I don't know. I, I I don't know if they're going to do that or not. They have a lot of complainers, but I don't think Apple's going to do a lot of the things that they want. But Rob, um, just so everybody knows on the live stream, um, we know Rob is quiet, so uh, nothing we can do. We've got him cranked all the way up here, so apologize about that. Yeah, I'll have to get an amp or something like that to put into my system here. Yeah, so you're definitely about half my volume. That's the that's where the delta is coming in. So, you know, Rob, what do you think about what the point Ernest brought up? Well, I think I don't know that they're going to do anything specific to cater to specific um, types of content providers. I think they're going to try and look at the big picture of how how can they, you know, really kind of improve the experience of the podcast area to to their users to to make it grow more again. Because I think that one of the challenges that they've seen is that some other app developers out there have been kind of making better apps. Um, so I I, I I just wonder if they're just going to come out with some improvements to the UI and some improvements to how people kind of discover podcasts. And and this isn't necessarily tremendously new for Apple. They've they've had a regular pattern of improving the the app on iOS. Um, I just wonder if they're going to put any resources into the the you know the iTunes application to improve the podcast experience over there. Um, I mean. I, you know, are people using iTunes that much anymore? Is Apple going to invest in the iTunes um, structure? Maybe it's time to retire iTunes. I don't. I don't know. I think that's a bigger question. Um, I I know a lot of people are not real happy with the iTunes application, especially on Windows. Um, and what what is Apple going to do with that application? I think it's a big question. You're talking about the regular app, right? The iTunes application. We're not talking about any. Mo- You're talking about the regular program iTunes correct right? correct yeah. the ones that you know the application that runs on Mac and Windows yeah, yeah. Um, does anybody even do with that app yeah you know, does anybody even use that anymore that's that's you know I would I, say that I would say Todd that millions of people use it because millions of people have uh, 
you know, Max. Yeah. And so, I mean, until they merge iOS with well. the, the Mac OS, which I, I, I think is coming as well, um, you know, it's, they're going to have to do something with that application. What were you saying, Ernest? Uh, well, I use I use iTunes quite a bit, right? And so uh, the other part that's that's that might be kind of interesting is that I built a PC actually last over last Christmas, and uh, so now I have iTunes on the PC, and I have my Apple uh, ecosystem everything. So we have everything from uh, the iPads, uh, phones. I have a couple of different there, a couple, a few of their laptops. I have MacBook Pro, MacBook Air, and so it's it is an interesting. Um, the Windows system iTunes is quite a bit backwards. It seems it's quite uh, it yep. looks quite outdated. It doesn't scale really well on the 4K screens, so that might be another area of improvement. But uh, like Rob was mentioning earlier, you know, you have a lot of people that have invested heavily into the system. You that's still the way you would buy music, for example, through iTunes and stream and and all this kind of stuff. On the podcast side, you know, since they flipped out the app itself onto its own um, onto its own app on your phone. Um, it's it might be an interesting it might be an interesting development so we might see a little bit more development in that perspective um, and maybe it'll get some similar functionality to what books did when they broke it out and so now you can actually listen to audiobooks on there in chapters and some of those types of uh, interesting technologies that that might be porting over to to podcasts too. Yeah, something. Yeah, Todd, we're, hey, Ernest, we're still getting a popping from you. Are you getting chat notifications or anything? I'm just just trying to figure out where that's coming from. Every once in a while, we get a boop, boop. It's it doesn't and it doesn't necessarily sound. There it is again. I don't know what it is. I'm not sure. I don't have anything turned on. We're that's odd. It's silent. It, I'm not sure. Yeah, it's. it's I'm odd. sorry about that. Uh, no, 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 no worries. Yeah, it's just once in a while, Skype acts weird too. So, hmm. you know, and I, and I think uh, you know the the important thing too would remember is the Android users out there. The other fifty percent of the podcast consumers could give two craps about iTunes. <laughs> right. You know, so, um, well, anyway, it was an interesting announcement. I'm, you know, I don't know what the long-term ramifications are. Uh, I guess we'll see over time uh, what develops, but. Uh, um, well, Todd, it could also mean that they're, they're going to come out with a new application that's going to replace iTunes, um, that they drop the term iTunes too. I think it's a possibility mm. or they are going to do, they're going to break up iTunes on the Mac into two separate applications. You know, there's, there could be a podcast app on the Mac and a music app or a music, or they might just break out podcasts from iTunes, um, completely. Who knows? Well, we will see. And uh, a lot of speculation on, potentially what Apple may or may not bring to the table. There was a lot of folks who immediately got excited about, oh, they're going to they're gonna turn on membership where we're going to be able to, to, to have people pay for our podcast. And Oh, there you go. And, you yeah. know, and, and uh, I always laugh when I, when I hear that because, you know, it's uh, a lot of people are setting up, you know, membership uh, type uh, sites, but such a small percentage of podcasts are successful with that model. Um, you know, it's, I, I think that the most people that are waiting for that will be sadly disappointed about the, the actual results in and with they actually make it available or, or, or it's allowed to be done. Yeah. Todd, yeah, I, I tend to agree with you. I think that the whole premium side of the podcasting with Apple, it, 
it just it just doesn't feel like uh, that 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 would be a smart choice for them to to do given the success that they've had with uh, the model that they've been on and the business that they're in is selling devices, not selling podcasts. It, it's not going to generate enough money for them to do the development that they would have to do to make it happen. Well, I think some people want the the ability, the option to, you know, to turn it on on maybe a specific show or feed where people yeah. can charge for episodes. But, uh, you know, unless you're a huge, massive show, I, I don't know. Even including something like they have with the iAd system, right, where you would have the ability to monetize, for example, your show and then have some kind of revenue split with Apple. I think that would shouldn't be too much of a leap because you can have uh, automatic insert, insertions at the front and at the end of the podcast as well for, for ads. So that could be another interesting opportunity uh, for them to leverage. Ernest, can I, I'm going to hate to do this to you. Can you redial in? We'll see if we can clear that. That tweaking. Just go ahead and dial in and dial, dial uh, hang up and then dial back in. We'll see if that clears Absolutely. it. Absolutely, let's try it. Yeah, let's try it. Rob, uh, while while he's uh, running that in and coming back in, what uh, what else you're seeing in the news this week? Well, I think it, there's just been um, just a steady flow of of stuff going on. I mean, I thought that the Apple announcement really kind of stole the show to some degree, mm-hmm. um, but I think that the you know, it's just the steady flow of articles coming out. I know that there's a couple coming out next week that I've heard about. Um, it's just, you know, the spin and the, the movement in the space just keep, keeps, keeps moving forward. And, and I know I'm, I'm heading to the pod summit here in the next couple of weeks or no. It, well, yeah. And then also the NAB event is coming up, um, even sooner. So, right. um, and that's, turning out to be a, a pretty significant event for podcasting too, with lots of podcasting panels happening at the NAB this year. I know you and I are both, both doing a lot of those. Yep. Um, so, it should be interesting down there. So we're, so I guess maybe you can fill the audience and me in a little bit as well. Now I know we got substituted. There's a second, we're going to do a second session now on Wednesday as well. That's open to any, NAB participant, they don't have to have any special pass or nothing. Have a floor pass, correct? Yes, correct. If you can get into the exhibition down at the NAB, you can you can come to this panel that's going to happen down there on on the floor itself. It's free to get in, um, and it's it's really as part of the floor. I mean, it's right there with the exhibitors on the floor. I did a panel, um, you know, with the same organization down there. It's an advertising pavilion is what it is and so a lot of the panel sessions that are going on on the show floor um, are about digital advertising um, so this this particular panel session that's going to include um, you uh, me and Rob Walsh and a representative from uh, Voice America who does a certain amount of you know advertising online it's more of a streaming platform but they also do do some podcasting as well uh, it's it's Voice America is part of World Talk Radio. Yep. Um, so they're going to be joining us on the panel as well. But the topic is uh, is really how uh, podcasters are turning into you know some major influencers um, and how what the impact of th- that is on driving um, ad ad results um, and and so that's that's the main topic that we're going to talk about on. On that panel, it's all of us are 
major influencers when it comes to potentially running ads on your show and and what's the impact of that did they update the i know that when we when i last looked the listing still showed the old panel that was there have they swapped the panel listing out yet on the website i i have not looked but i would think that that's probably coming asap okay yeah as soon as we get an update on that uh, definitely let me know so we can start uh, start promoting yep. it as well so two opportunities and they're both on Wednesday, so if you're at NAB, and uh, again, as I've said before, if you're going to be at NAB and don't have a session pass, please let me know. We might be able to get you into the first session that will include myself, uh, Rob, Rob Walsh, Rob McCracken from Scripps, um, where we're going to be talking about basically the state of podcasting to uh, radio GMs and, um, and influencers, so uh, if you're going to be NAB and uh, you don't want to attend that, I might, Rob and I might be able to, <clears throat> excuse me, sneak a few of you into that. Uh, at least the organizer has told us, let him know if we've got a couple of people that want to come in. So uh, that's an invitation. If you don't have an actual session pass on uh, on Wednesday, we'll have a link up to those sessions in the show notes today uh, when we get done with the show. Let's go ahead and shift here for a little bit. Let's go ahead and talk about Pod Summit. It's happening in Calgary on May 6th. And, uh, Ernest, why don't you go ahead and start since something just happened to Rob on his video. Go ahead. <laughs> um, sure. So uh, Pod Summit is a podcast conference happening on the western side of the country, which we have not had a conference here, a podcast conference here ever. So this is the first one. Uh, it's going down to May 6th in Calgary, Alberta. And we have quite a few folks coming in actually from uh, all over western Canada and the United States which is uh, which is really really exciting. So tell us a little bit then about what you're you know what you're going to be doing and kind of give us the the rundown for someone that may be within striking distance of this that would want to come. Sure. So basically, what uh, what this ended up being is all of the things that I as a podcaster would have liked to learn. And uh, since there was no real uh, opportunities in regards to other conferences in our area, I decided to build this one. And so uh, we layered – there's a few different layers to the conference itself. So the it's it's cornerstoned by four main session speakers. So we have uh, Meg Wilcox who's coming in and talking about a uh, how to put together a long-form audio uh, podcast. And one of the reasons for this is because we've noticing that, and you probably everybody's noticed this already. For example, with shows such as S Down Serial and some of the other really well produced podcasts that are coming from you know, New York Times and and uh, and other larger companies, is that you're noticing there's a certain ebb and flow to the show, and it's structured so well. So. We as podcasters may not have a whole producing team on our side, but if we know the principles of how to put together a show that we can hold somebody's attention for, for 20, 30, or 40 minutes, it's going to be really valuable for us as podcasters. Uh, and and Meg has, has been a journalist. She teaches podcasting at a university. Uh, then we move on into a production. So we have uh, a fellow by the name of Brock <clears throat> Skywalker Armstrong coming in from Vancouver, Canada. And he's been an a audio engineer for 20 years. He currently works with, um, uh, uh, he works with uh, Bulletproof Radio. So if you've heard of Bulletproof Coffee and Dave Asprey, so he works with their team and produces that podcast. And so he's, he's going to tell us about how to use, how to create a signature sound for your podcast, which was another thing that, that I was always interested in, but I could never really figure out. 
so I, I use a lot of different, I've tried experimented with a lot of different music and intros and, you know, should I say your name at the beginning or in the middle or at the end or how to start. But one of the things that he's been able to figure out is that how do you create that soundscape? How do you create that podcast sonically so it's instantly recognizable? So the second you listen to S-Town, you know what it is. The second you listen to, you know, some of these other larger podcasts, you know what it is and you know who it is. And so he's going to walk us through that. Uh, then we have another person coming down from Edmonton who's going to teach us all about how to do interviews. Uh, and the other really cool thing about this session is that we're going to be deconstructing an interview live on stage as it's happening. So he will interview somebody on stage and basically, uh, you know, kind of pause and look at the audience and say, this is why we're asking this question. Here's what I'm trying to get to. And here's how I'm going to structure the next question. So you'll actually get to learn the art of interviewing live on stage and you'll get a chance to participate as a, as a part of the audience. And then for the last session, we have somebody coming in who's working with, um, um, Rob Sixteriliano, I always mess up his last name. So he has a podcast network essentially for uh, for reality TV podcasts, specifically start oh, off with Survivor oh, and then Big Brother. And Rob, kind of uh, from there. Rob Sesternino is coming to your event? Yes. Oh, I'm sorry, awesome. he's not coming okay. to our event, but uh, Scott St. Pierre, who is his producer, is coming oh, to the event. okay. Yeah, and so he'll tell us about okay. the ways that they've been able to build their audience, engage their audience, and monetize. So those are the main four sessions. And then we have uh, two interviews, two live interviews on stage, one with a, uh, one with one third of a podcast called The Strategist, which was a really prominent political podcast, and then another uh, woman from her name by the name of uh, Karen Unland, who's coming in from Edmonton. And uh, she's going to tell us about this really exciting new thing that she's building with a radio station called CKUA, which is going to be an Alberta-wide podcast network, and it might expand to Western Canada or Western states as well. So those are those are some of the main sessions that we're going to have. And then if you've never podcasted before, we have a lunch hour session on how to start podcasting. We're giving away a bunch of stuff. It's going to be a really it's going to be a really good day. I'm really looking forward to it. Rob, it it shows you the that. You know, I, I'm listening to these names. I've never heard any of these people before. So it's like, it's just a whole different dichotomy. You know, you've got the Canada side. I'm sure those folks are well known in Canada. So it, it just shows you the the space is diversifying. And we, you and I have been in this space a long time. And you're like, I'm thinking, who? Who? <laughs> so, <Right>. um, <laughs> but it is and it is interesting. It sounds radio heavy, though. Are, are, do all these folks actually have, do, are they actually Podcast. podcasting? Yes, so every single one of the people that we're bringing out has a podcast. They do have some radio experience, which is what I think made them really good podcasters as well. Um, yeah, so so every everyone has a everyone has had a, everyone has had or it currently is uh, building a podcast as well. Oh, that's cool, Rob. I know you're going to head out there, right? Yeah, yeah, I'm going. Um, it's it's really not that far for me to go up to to Calgary from Seattle, so. It's a quick, quick trip for me. Um, but I think it's, I see that uh, Ray Ortega is going to be there too, which is exciting. Todd and I have known Ray for a long time. Um, so it's great to, to have him, you know, go up there. But really, I think what I see with your event is, is just a huge opportunity for uh, building a, a really good and terrific conference in, you know, you've already um, started and you're already on the path here. Uh, up in Canada, and I think that that's that's really important to the podcasting space. That's a market that I know that you know a lot of us on the hosting space um, really want to have a better better presence in, and and I 
it's a market that uh, has a lot of opportunity, I think, to expand podcasting. But it also has kind of an interesting kind of um, kind of European flair to it because as I think about, you know, coming from Spreaker and we we work with a lot of events around the world. Um, Todd, your point of of that the radio part is always kind of a significant part of events that are outside of the U.S. And I think that's an interesting point um, of perspective. Uh, I mean, a lot of the the audio that's coming out of even even Spain and and um, and other parts of the of the world, you know, the UK, uh, a lot of the content that's in the podcasting space does kind of um, source out of radio um, s- still today. But so uh, if you could talk a little bit about that, uh, as far as um, the radio connection with podcasting up in Canada and do you see a strong area of growth of people starting podcasts that, that don't have a background in radio and that are just creating shows um, just about their expert area? So are you seeing a, a significant growth in that in the, in the Canadian market? Definitely. I think what's interesting with the with the radio side, I think it's um, the reason why we brought some of these folks to speak, I think, is because they would have the 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 teaching experience to to yeah. relay some of these some of the like the technicalities and, and the um, learning moments essentially for us, for everyone in the audience. And so the other thing that's interesting is that there are a lot of podcasters that don't have a radio background. And then we also – one of the things that I have noticed that I'm not sure if it's happening okay. in the States as much is that the radio stations that we have in Canada are also producing quite a bit of their shows into a podcast as well. And I think part of the reason why that's happening mm-hmm. is that they're looking to expand their audience. And to expand the audience, and then eventually to you know have some more advertiser revenue and those kind of things. Uh, on the other end of the on the other end of the scale, there are a lot of individuals that have built up uh, large that have built up large interest based podcast. So I know quite a few folks uh, that have started from nothing essentially recently. If they've built up a presence, uh, one of the one of the more interesting ones that I've met recently, and this is the other thing that I had no idea. I always play in the entrepreneurship and marketing circles and business. That Those are the podcasts that I listen to. And I had no idea how big the reality TV podcast <laughs> game is. And uh, so when I met, when I met with, when I met Scott, uh, connect, I chatted with him. So I would, I was like, well, that's really interesting that you guys have this giant following and all over the place. And, you know, there's these people that would cop on board and now they're expanding their uh, show palette to include people that were originally fans. And then they've, they've started their own podcast. And then I also had a chance to meet with somebody from, uh, just chat with somebody from Edmonton who has the world's biggest doctor who podcast. And I would have, that would have never even crossed my mind. That, that was a thing. So it's been an interesting eye-opening experience for me uh, to to meet some of these folks and to really get an understanding of how different the um, how different the space actually is. There's quite a few folks that are starting podcasts on their own, and there's also a, this radio influence that influence that you're mentioning. I think uh, those are the folks that are now coming into it after radio stations have shed some of their personnel and are looking mm-hmm. to reinvent themselves in this kind of a new way in order to build up their own personal brand and and kind of generate create some kind of a new career path as well. So that's why I think we ha- we have a lot of folks from with the radio and broadcasting experience getting into podcasting in some of these other areas as well. They've been thrown to the floor. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. (laughs) Consolidation happened everywhere. It is interesting because I I think I looked uh, yesterday and we've got about 
300 or 350 total radio station slash radio personality customers. And uh, there's probably of that mix, there's probably 25 to 30 that are actually out of Canada. So um, it is a, you know, and I don't know what the total podcast ecosphere is in Canada. It's got to be pretty big, I would assume, is, you know, basically that, uh, you know, because it's easy for the English speaking, you know, to cross right over into U.S. audiences as well. So. It is, but at the same time, you know, the U.S.-based podcasts are outnumber Canadian ones 10 to 1, even on the Canadian iTunes. Right, yeah. And so, and, and because the shows are so strong. So one of the, one of the, more, one of the more popular ones based out of Canada is called Canada Land, mm-hmm. and it's a, uh, it's a political-based podcast. And so um, even, you know, if you compare their download, download numbers to some of the more, more interest-based podcasts, um, you know, there, there's a big dichotomy. And I think even right now, when you get somebody like like I was mentioning earlier, New York Times getting into the podcast game, they have an audience built in that you're supporting. It's like, hey, listen to us on iTunes now. You might or be when S-down, you might be surprised that they you think they would have a, a huge amount of pull, but you would be kind of surprised. Sometimes that does not always turn into audience members. Um, you know, even S Town, they did not get as big of a bump from their show from the holdover from Serial. Um, because they were offline so long. So, um, yeah. you know, not doing, you know, with these little short series that a lot of these companies are doing, oftentimes they're handicapping their audiences. Now, don't get me wrong, they've had huge success. Um, any a podcaster would be happy with, uh, with yeah. S-Towns with success. But also, they have the, the journalist in their pocket. So I think I counted in one week, uh, 52 articles that came out from S Town, and that was because of a very effective, you know, interconnections in the New York City area with the uh, with journalists and the and the ongoing love affair with with uh, public radio that those journalists have. So, um, I think oftentimes the great shows that are doing incredible numbers of episode after, you know, you look at a show that's doing 500,000. And we, there are shows now doing 500,000 listeners per episode. Um, you know, that show gets no credit. It, they, they go months and months and months and months and doing those same types of numbers, but yet nary a peep out of the press on those types of, of shows. So oftentimes it, it really, you know, it's just because they don't have the connections in New York and they're not of that... Uh, you know, they, it's not the sp- folks they went to school in at the Ivy League school that they went to. So, <laughs> yeah, and also those those big shows don't always show up in the iTunes top right. two hundred either. Yeah, they don't. So, um, so they're kind of hidden from the scene. And and I think one thing to keep in mind too, as you talk about uh, like a media company like the New York Times, is they've been in and out of the podcasting space based on the the winds of. Of what the perception of the industry is, because they came in very early when podcasting started, but then they they, they stopped, they dropped out um, right right during like uh, two thousand nine, ten, uh, and were completely out of the podcasting space for a couple of years, and then they more recently have come back in again because it's become more popular again. It it, uh, it does make us laugh, Rob, because people are all oh, New York Times is starting podcasting. I'm like for the third time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. But that's I mean, there's plenty of companies that I could say have 
have had that journey. I mean, back when I was working on Zoom, I would fly out and meet with a lot of these companies like um, National Geographic had a huge podcast network back in 2007. And, and they completely, even back then, they were talking about dropping, doing podcasts. And you know, so you're starting to see this. I mean, there's been this churn of these big media companies coming in and out of the podcasting space, and and a lot of you know people in the space don't really know the history of what what's happened in this medium, um, and how it's kind of ebbed and flowed over many years, and how a lot of these big media companies have kind of come and gone because I mean there were periods of time when those big media companies were basically talking down about podcasting. Mm-hmm. It was about the mm-hmm. same time um, as Steve Jobs came out and said it was amateur hour for podcasters. I mean a lot of those media companies jumped on that and said, you know, they were they were kind of um, downplaying what podcasting could offer to their companies. There was no way for them to make any money and they were gonna drop out of it. Um, but now, you know, things have changed and which is terrific. I mean, I think it's great that these media companies are jumping back in, but I think we just have to keep in mind that if things downturn again or the hype cycle drops again, we could see a lot of these companies drop out again. So and, ch- and chances are we'll experience another drop as well. I, I, I have a feeling that, uh, I, I get a sense that there's been a significant increase in in popularity of podcasts, but at the same time, when people start, you know, there's there's a lot of so I, I work in marketing, and so one of the things that that I'll run into, people will ask me like, you know, is a podcast a really good idea for this? Well, I don't know. It's not a, it's not going to be something that you can produce five shows and then make five million dollars. That's not how it works. A lot of these mm-hmm. podcasts have been around, like you mentioned, for years and are just now getting to the point where uh, after years of consistent effort, building their audience, building that engagement and 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 connecting with them are now to the point where they actually have a sizable audience and they can consider monetizing it if they choose to do so. And so um, from the brand perspective and the business perspective, you know, they're – most of these companies would look for some kind of a quick hit. And I also have a feeling that with the po- as the popularity rises, that hype cycle that you mentioned, it's eventually going to fall back down again. And then the folks that stay, that have consistently built up a presence, that have engaged with their audiences, those are the folks mm-hmm. that are going to stay there for the long term. And podcasting may evolve a little bit here, a little bit there over the years, but I think it's, it's those individuals and those companies that have chosen to invest in it for the long term and for the right reasons they're going to remain after all after all the chaff basically falls down. I, I have a feeling that, you know, I, I like to call it the, you know, I think the, the correct term that both of you are using is hype cycle because mm-hmm. the podcasting growth has been steady. There's not been any like, like, wow, jumps in, <laughs> you know, an actual audience. So um, the hype cycle definitely helps continued growth. Um, it and, does. And, and, and then that's always important, but, um, you know, having been in this, uh, since the beginning, since 2004 and, you know, really watch the space it, you know, we often chuckle that, uh, you know, okay, we're on our third, uh, third up and down of the, uh, and I thought just for a little while at the beginning of the year, I thought we were starting to see a, a rolling off and then. Yeah it's back again it's back as hot and heavy as it as it ever's been in the recent past couple of years as far as uh in news cycles it just seems to me that um there's a lot of uh, folks too that are opportunists that are jumping in and you know trying to make a name for themselves which is which is fine but uh just like anything else uh, we'll see if they're here in three years um we'll see and, if there's that's the difference yeah 
Well, Todd, I think one of the things that, that I think gives me that impression um, that that we could see some sort of a fall off is just the rapid amount of new content coming into the space and the relatively slow audience growth. Um, and I just wonder if there's going to be a, kind of a, a fallback from that at some point down the line. I could be wrong and I hope I'm wrong, um, but it is something that I think about and I, I worry about, and I know we've talked about that a little bit on this show is that, um, you know, these things have to equal out, right? The amount of content that's out there. I mean, I mean, how many people are going to want to start a show and not be able to build an audience for that show to be able to justify the time and investment in starting a show? Is there going to be kind of like a, you know, it's a supply and demand balance that even really applies to the podcasting space. And at the same point, when 85 or 90% of the advertising dollars are going to the top 3% of shows, and yep. they're in, in, and I was expecting a little more trickle-down this year than what we've seen. I've seen some, some trickle-down bound into shows that, you know, advertising be done on smaller shows. But now, um, certain players in the market are helping to um, suppress CPM levels. You know, I've got, I've talked to a couple of companies that have been doing some programmatic ad buying on, uh, on a network specific network. And they've come in and said, uh, you know, we'll pay six. And I'm like, no, we're not doing six. We're not doing, uh, you know, we're not doing that based upon, you know, what your experience was over here on an injected ad with, that wasn't done in my opinion, professionally. So, you know, uh, Rob Walsh has run into some of that already too. So now, with the with the with the desire, or with the, with companies' desire to fill inventory at all costs to meet bottom line numbers, uh, ultimately we could end up hurting the the small producers. There will be no going back. Um, so that concerns me a great great deal. Um, well, Todd, I mean, at the end of the day, doesn't, um, doesn't the CPM levels reflect what the ROI is on campaigns? Um, I mean, <laughs> not when that... you're not, not when you're willing to sell at all cost. when, when yeah. you know, if you're, if you're yeah. desperate to sell inventory and you'll sell it at six, yeah. uh, I, I, I don't think so. We'll see, you know, I'm, I'm holding the line and, and walking away from those types of deals. But at what point do the, you know, the, the top 20 advertisers that are advertising the space uh, start, you know, coming in with that type of, uh, you know, CPM offers for the mainstream companies? You know, what happens when Gimlet takes a $6 deal? And if they are, mm -hmm. uh, maybe they've got the volume to make it up. Then it just completely is going to be, a, for as far as monetization goes, it's going to be a, an absolute shit show for the rest of the space. But what? You know, I, I think too. To another thing to look at is, um, if that's going to become the norm, then there's going to be a lot of podcasting companies that aren't going to make it. They're they don't they're not going to make it on six dollars CPMs. I, I think it's also kind of interesting if you look at the different monetization models, you know, sponsorships and ads are so. There's ads, there's sponsorships, there's Patreon, there's a few other different ways to do it. But uh, from from an ad perspective, you know, from a as a marketer, what I want to do is I want to spend the least amount of money and get the best amount of results. And with with the podcasting, and this is actually might be kind of an interesting thing to tie it back to what Apple might be doing is um, is it's hard to prove ROI oh, unless you say you know it's it's, it's like one of the 
What's that? I, I disagree. It's not. I, I disagree that it's hard to follow ROI. A well-executed campaign with the right uh, controls put in place, you can absolutely measure ROI to the customer. But the but it's usually done through a landing page or a code, right? Absolutely. Right. So I mean, that gives you. So that gives you definitely gives you some measurement. But I think in terms of. Uh, it's it's almost it's almost it's equivalent to radio then and I guess that's that's what some folks might equate it to and then radio rates are going to be very different than podcasting rates so I think it's it's a uh, it, it's it's a new area for a lot of advertisers to explore which is why we're seeing a lot of these kind of ups and downs and and confusion I think as well. Well, yeah, we can spend a whole hour on this alone. But <laughs> well, I I mean Todd, I mean. I think to kind of take a middle ground on those two perspectives is that um, I know, and I struggled with this back in the early days with my own radio show is is trying to make sure that the advertiser understood that, that there is a certain amount of value in baked in ads mm-hmm. um, over the the long term that has an impact on branding too, and it's not just about conversion of sales. Um, so there is a certain element to this that. Um, that, that does come into play that's similar to what radio has been doing. Radio ha- hasn't been entirely about direct conversion uh, of sales. They've been about branding and about um, raising awareness and building frequency because, because you have to build frequency before you can have any kind of a, a, a brand loyalty built up or a transaction that, that actually happens. And, and one of the things that I've thought about, Todd, too, is, is that the whole – programmatic ad buying stuff, um, doesn't have to, um, drive CPMs lower. Um, and I'm not sure why that dynamic happens. Um, somehow is there a perception that just because an ad buyer can go in and buy against a show that the CPMs have to be lower based on the history of radio. And I think that's probably what we're talking about here. Uh, is is really those buyers that are coming in that are coming from radio that are used to buying at six dollar CPMs on our, a remnant type of inventory from broadcast radio, and they have this expectation that they can they can buy it at a lower lower price. Uh, and then there's a whole aspect of well, what's the content of the ad as well, Todd? Um, is that content or that um, that ad spot is that a host read type of experience or is it a commercial radio type of experience and i think these are really really important issues todd and i think you would agree that that um that the industry needs to get solid on about how they're going to conduct advertising in programmatic ad buying platforms because i think it's an opportunity but it can also like you say can go horribly wrong you know with um as far as just to kind of close the loop on the measurement side not measurement side i don't want to even get into that today the um the uh, um, performance side. Advertising side? Yeah, the direct response makes up 90% of the advertisers right now in the podcasting space. Direct response yep. is purely measured on results. They don't care. They absolutely give two whips about um, branding. Uh, right. About branding. It's all about, um, yeah. it's about the response. Now, when Ford and Geico and all those companies come in that are continue to build brand awareness, then it's a different deal, you know, sure. but the, the, the awareness campaigns for a brand are, are not advertising in podcasts right now. They're still spending the majority of their money in, in radio TV. and in TV. So yeah. it, it'll shift over time. Don't get me wrong. But to this point, you know, the direct response is the haven of podcasting. So, 
you know, your performance on your ad deals are 100% based upon, you know, how many number of leads, how many number of sales, you know, it's, it's purely that. And if you don't succeed, they don't renew. You know, you look at my essentially, uh, uh, well, how many years now has it been? It'll be 12 year run with GoDaddy. Um, that is a, that is a direct response and it is a performance base and I have to meet performance numbers each and every month. Um, they have, they've already built their brand. So, uh, yeah, we can spend again, a lot of time on this, but Rob, I do agree with you in the point that there is a way to do programmatic correctly. Um, but But we're not there. We're not there because a lot of companies do not. You know, they just want to come in, buy an ad, and here's your 30-second spot. Drop it in. They don't, they just want the spot run. Um, they, they don't want to have this, go through this creative process and have to hire someone because that's what they will do. They will hire someone to create creative uh, for a campaign. And a lot of these companies just don't do that. They, you know, they have one ad. They run nationwide. And they don't want to have to write scripts for podcasters. So. Uh, you know, so podcast companies are going to have to have their own creative divisions to, mm-hmm. you know, to set these campaigns up and make them work right on a, from a programmatic side to make it deliver the CP or deliver the results that a, what you would expect from a host endorsed ad. And it can be done yeah. right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Todd, Definitely. I, I, I mean, 100% agree with that. I think that, that that's the direction that the industry should go. And my, my concern is, is that, uh, there's still going to be a bunch of advertisers that are going to come into this market and run their their radio ads um, into podcasts, and it's just going to be a uh, you know two, three, six dollar CPM campaigns, and and it's just going to trash the reputation of uh, the opportunity that podcasting brings to the market. Tom in the chat room says, "Question: On the other hand of this, the little guy trying to advertise his product or service can't spend fifty dollars a bucks a week with the big advertising firms." He can with me. That's true, Thomas. That's absolutely true. They can come to you directly and spend 50 bucks or 100 or whatever it may be with you directly. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, anytime you can get a, a direct deal, that's that's great. Tom Webster's in the chat room, too. He says, we've executed over a dozen pre-post brand lift studies for pure brand advertisers now. Results are, are there and brand ads are growing. DR is still king, though. Yeah, so... It's true. The brand advertisers, Tom, uh, you know, they are the holy grail of bringing billions of dollars to the podcasting space. Let's be frank. That's where the majority of the advertising is spent uh, globally. So the the sooner those brand advertisers show up and start spending their cash, bring your cash. (laughs) Well, I guess that... That's a leading question. Um, what is it going to take in our our medium to get those guys over here um, I, and and really support them for what they need? Is a it's a it's an important question. Is programmatic well, there, part of that? There's another shift just in terms of business strategy in regards to are you looking at short term results, which is what stakeholders and shareholders generally really want. So they're looking on a quarterly basis. So that's why you have so much direct response type of. Uh, increase, yeah. and that's why we were talking about earlier. You know, what's the ROI? If I give you fifty dollars, can I get sixty leads? And how much is? And so, like, looking and in seven days, versus you know, looking something like building up more of a uh, building up more of a presence, a brand awareness, and then a brand affinity that will have a lifetime value of much more 
but to get those kind of education elements, like there, there, that has to be a change in the marketing side of things as well. Uh, one, one iron that I'd like to toss into the fire right now, and this is something I've, I've chatted with a couple of folks recently, is AI and voice. And um, if you if you look at Google now, and if you look uh, sorry Google Home, and look at uh, uh, Amazon Alexa and Amazon Echo, and and some of these new types of devices that we're able to interact with uh, with them through our voice. This gives a unique opportunity for podcasts as well to provide content while people are, for example, doing stuff around the house. You know, right now they would have everything plugged into their headphones, and that's the way that I do things. But this is another really unique opportunity. I think we're going to see more of a shift towards voice-based interfaces and an audio-based content as well, um, just in the way that we interact with things, which might be a really interesting opportunity in the next few years for podcasters too. Oh. We've talked about this a number of times on the show, and we agree that uh, the uh, Google Homes and the Amazon Alexas of the world are going to start to see a, um, you know, we're going to see a lot more content being consumed on there. But right now, the numbers are, are pretty low, and they haven't even broke the 1% barrier yet. So, you know, when we start uh, seeing some growth with Google Home and Alexa actually, uh, you know, breaking out above uh, three, four, five percent, then then I'll get excited. But uh, it, until then, um, I, I do think it's a, a huge, a huge potential growth area, and uh, and we'll see. Rob, uh, where do you think? Yeah, I think it's it's still early for that 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 device to have a huge impact. But I I, I agree with just the premise that those type of devices are going to be significant in how people consume uh, audio content and podcasts. Uh, it's just that the platform itself, um, the, the Echo and the Google Home, they need to get better and they need to have more content. And it's just, and they need to be more ubiquitous. They need to be on your mm-hmm. mobile phone. It needs to be on in your car. It needs to be in your kitchen uh, for these things to really hit their, their, their stride of their opportunity. And, and you know, I, I'm trying to work on that as well, um, you know, in trying to create some experience of being able to drive podcasters and not necessarily have to go through TuneIn to be able to get on there because um, there's got to be some other ways that we can we can work with the Amazon folks to make um, a, a better catalog for podcasts. And, um, and from what I understand, Google isn't even uh, supporting podcasts yet on the on their google home device you can Um, there is a there's a key there's a sequence i've I've broken the super decoder ring you did (laughs) yeah so here's what you say to google home for those of you that are interested um i'm I'm looking for my i've got it written down as a script uh crap so up, 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 okay, up, down. So right. I, I won't say, okay, you know, the, the keyword to get the Google home device. Cause it's got, it's sitting right here in my, on my desk, but you say, okay, oh, God, do it, do it. <laughs> <laughs> you say, okay, you know who play the podcast geek news central. So that's a key. You have to say, okay, play the podcast geek news central and it'll, it'll work. Um, and then so was it pulling from, um, the Google Play Music no one, catalog. Do you we, think? I think so. We we were looking no at some, we were looking at some stats <laughs> to try to determine, <laughs> you know, try to kind of back roll it in. And of course, Google Play they don't report back out yet, so you have to go into the Google Play. So you know, I, I had like 
10 of my team members all do it on their devices. And then we looked at it to say, okay, is it coming? We think it's coming from Google Play at this point. Hmm. So That would certainly make, make sense, right? Yeah, it, it would. <laughs> <laughs> and Daniel says, no, it pulls from the RSS feed. Hmm. Well, Which would make okay. sense as a search engine, right? Uh, the and the other thing that's, that I think we might have a very interesting, you know, opportunity here, depending on how things go. Podcasts aren't searchable by nature. You can search the title. You can search some of the stuff that's embedded in the description of the RSS uh, feed or RSS. But for example, you don't have something like o, or transcripts, I guess, if you've written them up. But there isn't something that automatically OCRs. Uh, the content and indexes the content inside of a podcast that could be searchable by a search engine, which would be another really interesting development that maybe that's something that Apple might have up their sleeve as well. Yeah. I see Rob Rob smiling. Do you know something that we don't? Nope. <laughs> you know, and, and, and here, here, here lies the challenge of that. And a lot of podcasters have um, experimented with um, folks doing the, um, you know, they write, they, tra they don't translate, they... Um, Transcribe. And transcribe the shows. Um, unless you're very, very careful in transcribing the show and embedding that correctly in your show notes, uh, Google will often see that as um, it's not a positive and they will negatively um, impact your Google search results for your .com unless you really do heavy editing and you make it contextual. So it's, it's the script cannot be uh, for humans it has to be google readable and 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 people say what well, what's the difference me talking right now and having that transcribed gives google very little actual context so you have to remove all the fluff you got to you know you have to um, almost make it like a question answer type of uh, scripting in order to make it even have any impact on uh, Google search results, if you're putting it, you know, I would, again, if you don't, if you haven't experimented with this, I would never, ever put your transcript on the same page that your .com is. I would have it in a forum. I'd have it on a separate, link to a separate site. Um, just because if you get it wrong, uh, you very well could just fall off the face of the earth when it comes to, to Google search. So you, know, you have to be, you have to be very, very careful. Uh, Google did announce recently some changes for at least on their Google app in Android to search and actually have podcasts, the latest episode come up in the search results. Um, that was just basically implementing something easily in the header and, and um, those, you know, that is effective, but I think that's a prelude to maybe Google making that available um, in the web search, which, or mobile search. Uh, through the website versus the app. I'm excited to see if they'll ever roll that into that. That'll be a game changer itself. But I think the biggest failure of podcasters not being able to be found is most of them have no clue on how it comes to actually preparing their websites and doing the little extra work to make themselves SEO ready, writing great titles, writing great, great show notes, having great context in their content so that they can be found and using any type of SEO strategy of linking in and linking out, um, most podcasters spend very little time at that. And if they did, uh, you find the shows that uh, do it well, you find them very easily um, when you're looking for a specific topic. Uh, I don't think per se anyone goes into iTunes searching for a show. If they do, they're going to be sadly, you know, it's going to be very sad the results that they come up with. 
<laughs> so let me let me flip the script here around on you guys because this is an interesting opportunity to ask you this question. So both of you have had quite a bit of experience with podcasting and with building shows. Um, if you had to go back or if you had the opportunity to go back to when you were first starting, what would you do differently, if <sighs> anything? Mm, first two episodes, not play ACDC. Um, <laughs> uh, no, really, and the only way I have gotten here from there is recording two episodes a week for 12 years. There's no way what the show was in the beginning. Um, well, if I knew all the tricks, if I could go back with lessons learned, um, mm -hmm. Well, I don't know. I suck with the same format. It's worked pretty good. Uh, but I've just been able to get better. The only way you get better is by, you know, churning out episodes. And even then, even after almost 1,200 episodes, I still make mistakes. So it's a learning experience. But I think... Would that, you do anything differently or would you just, like, keep everything as it was? Oh, I, I personally, I don't think I would change anything. Uh, Rob, how about you? Yeah, I mean... I think back to my, my early days of doing this stuff and I made a lot of mistakes, um, around what I was doing because I was doing it mainly for radio back when I started. So I was running commercial radio ads, um, on, in my podcast back then. Um, and I know if I go back and listen to my archives, um, there's, there's some pretty awful ads that were in there and, um, <laughs> you know, and, I would say, but back then, uh, I got most of my audience from the radio side. So, you know, I was doing the right thing at the time. So I think as you look back like this, I think Todd, you're, you fit in this as well. You were doing the best that you could do at the time. Um, but, and I'm not sure that, that, um, thinking now of what we understand now about the medium really applies because, um, those weren't really options for us anyway, back then. I mean, I, I know I just didn't think about different kinds of ads necessarily back in 2004. Um, and I don't think too many other people really understood the medium at that point. You know, my perspective was, uh, was very different because I was still active duty in the Navy at the time. And, um, so, you know, having jumped into this with both feet, um, but you know, my perspective is, is always very much different than the majority of other people that start a podcast. I was a blogger first. And, and be very frank and not a very good one. Um, there was probably, you know, on, yeah, on a good too. on a good day, I would have 300 people maybe read my blog. That was a good day. And the reason I had a blog is because the bulletin board scene had died and I needed to, a way to reach people and have some sort of engagement. So I already knew how to engage people online uh, mm -hmm. through many, many years of having worked in community forums and bulletin boards and and dealt with flame wars, and I so I already knew how to deal with the the jerks of the world that would come in and make comments and learn how to not get my feelings hurt. So my perspective uh, when I started the podcast was it was just another way to communicate um, with an audience that I wanted to establish a, a relationship with. Um, so for me, it, the, the big thing in my head from the very, very beginning was to establish, to have a relationship with the audience. And that's why even today, I, my audience is still known as the Ohana. It's still my family, extended family. So the only advantage I had that I think I had over other podcasters is that, well, number one, I was early. Um, that, that definitely did not hurt. Number two, 
was that I was blogging and continued to blog. So I gained a lot of audience and I still today gain a huge number of new listeners every month from organic search traffic that comes to my uh, website at geeknewcentral.com. They come in and they, a small percentage, one, two, three percent will subscribe to the show. They may only stick around for one episode, but a, 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 per, a portion of those folks stick around, which gets me fresh, fresh audience members coming in um, every episode. So, but I also have this, you know, I, today I'm able to afford to have a writing team. So I don't think this was, you know, in, and I've said it many, many times, I've actually given talks about this is that it was, it was a jog, you know, and, and a, you know, a, a marathon versus the sprint because it built slowly. And we, you know, signed one of the first advertisers in space in July of 05 and, you know, charged woefully weight. You know, I had at the time maybe about 40, 45,000 uh, listeners in our rudimentary measurement tools that we're using. It was probably actually closer to 20, you know, it, you know, who knows because we really didn't have any tools at that point yet. And, um, um, you know, I took 300 bucks for my first advertising deal first month. And when I talked to GoDaddy the, the, after the first month and they told me we signed like 370 new GoDaddy customers, I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. Those, you know, this is not, uh, this, this audience is worth more than $300 per episode. And I mean, $300 a month. And we went back and uh, renegotiated, uh, um, a rate that was, you know, appropriate for the number of new customers we were bringing in. So we had to make it that we were learning. And again, I was an electronics technician. I worked on airplanes. I had no clue about the media space. I didn't know a CPN from a CPA from a CPC to a flat rate. I had no idea. So, you know, we made this up as we went. And uh, um, so, no, I wouldn't change anything. And if you could give one piece of advice to somebody who's considering starting a podcast tomorrow, what would you say? <laughs> Don't look at your numbers for two years. <laughs> great. Yeah, because you'll be depressed. <laughs> <laughs> or mildly surprised. Yeah, that's true. It can go the other way, too. It's like, what? <laughs> if, if, if people spend as much time you know, building their show brand and, and, and what they're doing, if they spend as much time doing that as they do in the production of their show. You know, I always tell people, I spent 10 hours editing. Take those 10 hours, cut it down to one, and use those other nine hours promoting your show in communities and in forums and becoming a, a, a thought leader in the topic that you're creating. And, and then over time, you can shift that. But, you know, a lot of folks, they quit because they, they get wrapped around the axle of editing. I'm, you know, people laugh, but this is, I spend 10 minutes editing this show, my other show. There, there is no editing. Some people just can't do that though. Well, that's, that's the power of live, right? Right. Um, it yeah. gives you the option to, to do that. Um, which is, I think it's a key to longevity in the podcasting space too. I mean, it's it, it, a lot of people get sucked into these multi hours of editing sessions on their on their shows, and that can actually be a good thing. If you look at these these really popular shows sure. like Serial and S Town, and those um, they have teams of uh, post production editors that are working on those shows. Um, 
huge budgets and things like that. So, but most podcasters just don't have the time. They're they're working a full time job, we, or they're trying to do other things. This is a story I like to tell. We were NAB uh, exhibiting, and um, we learned very quickly at NAB that uh, there's a lot of people that are running around looking for content, and um, you know, content play, content play. There's just as much content as out as, as there is out there. There's not enough content. People want globally want content. So we we're talking lots of content deals. And I, you know, I always used to laugh. I'm like, this is just RSS. But anyway, the, one of the guys came to the booth and he says, man, I, I got a, the, the best deal you've ever heard of for production uh, for a series of 12 shows. And I'm like, you know, I'm kind of like, okay. And he says, yeah, we, we, we've got a production deal going on right now, $2,000 per episode for an audio program. And I, and I looked at the guy <laughs> And I'm like, um, uh, 95% of our content creators have a production budget of a zero and, yeah. uh, yet, minus $12 and, and they are, you know, their production budget is zero yet. They're putting out one or two episodes every week. And this guy looked at me like he, he, he was, he was like, I think I, you know, one of those moments when you get hit like a hammer, someone says something to you and you just, and your, your life flashes before your eyes and you're thinking my business model that I'm in is screwed. I, I think he realized it kind of right then. It was like the di the dynamic had changed. So it go to your point, Rob S town, what do they spend? They, they probably spend more than $2,000 in production costs per episode, but and I'd like to see their budget numbers on how much it costs to produce a single episode. I think most podcasters would be shocked, but on what it really is. But again, it achieved what eleven million downloads or something like that in a you know short amount of time. So so spectacular results. But the majority of us 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 peons out here who are doing a, a single show on our own, you know, we are the production crew, and most of us have wives, girlfriends, kids, and if you're spending 10 hours editing for a show that's not making you any money, um, if you have a spouse, I'm sorry, you're going to have relationship <laughs> issues. <laughs> that is so true. Yeah. Um, yeah. And a lot of those shows, you know, I mean, there's a direct correlation between what, what's invested, but that also drives them into the season format that they have too. Uh, can you imagine if they they did uh, you know fifty two episodes a year like we do you know at two thousand or three thousand or four thousand dollars an episode? Um, that's that's a big budget. You would think they'd be able to do it though to some degree, but their team just might get burned out or they they want to work on other projects too, and that could be. I oftentimes think that this season thing is really all about the content producer. Uh, than it is about the audience because it, it doesn't feel like, and Todd, you would agree with this, I'm sure, that the audience wants it to just keep flowing week after week, um, not have these seasonal, you know, 20 episode um, series and then it stops for six months. I've, I've already so, said seasons are fantastic as long as one season ends on a Saturday and the next season begins next <laughs> Saturday. <laughs> Do you think this is happening partially That's because right. of the binge watching on uh, on Netflix type of vibe that we get now? Because we have the ability to watch an entire you know sixteen seasons of one show in a weekend, or I guess maybe not in a weekend, but in a couple of weeks. Do you think that this is part of the sort of like a cultural shift or do you think there's still a really strong case for consistent content every uh, yes. every week like most of <laughs> yes. us do? 
yes, I think there is a strong case, and this 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 medium proves that. Yeah. Right. What What do you think about the whole binge watching, binge listening idea, though? I don't know if I have ever binge listened. So I think it's a personal thing. Yeah, obviously, yeah. people be, obviously people binge listen to S Town. Yeah. So. Well, I think it's also you know this this concept of you know that actually um, I believe Amazon or Netflix kind of pioneered this where where you um, put out all your episodes at once, right? So if you have a whole season of produced programs, you publish them all at once. Right. And right. I, th- 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 this was actually done on on TV shows on. Well, that's that's TV what he shows. was getting to, Rob. Do you think? Yeah, yeah, exactly. But and and I think that really applies. It's more of a paradigm of audiobooks, right? It's that same kind of thought process, right? You want to put out all the chapters. Now, granted, early on in the podcasting space, um, audio books would put out an episode a week or a chapter a week, and so I think we're seeing. I mean, I I agree with you um, that that I think that this is kind of like a relatively new thing that. Um, that putting out everything all at once creates a binge opportunity. Um, I'm not entirely sure that that's what everybody necessarily wants with podcasting, though. I also think, too, as you know, if I relate it to my own show, you know, I expect my audience to have consumed it within 96 hours because the content's going to die because I do that type of content. But also, yeah. they tune in uh, because I'm sharing current relevant stuff going on in the world. I, going back and listen to a show of mine and I've had some audience members do this. Um, you know, they say, well, this is like going through memory lane of previous news and history of what's going on in the world of tech. And, and I don't consider yeah. my show to be a history show. It's, it's current events <laughs> show, but, but, yeah. uh, depends on your perspective too. So folks that are doing content that is very, okay, let's say you're, you're building evergreen content, which, you know, a lot of shows say they are evergreen, but I've said this many times, the majority of them do not <laughs> yeah, do not attain that status. Um, yeah. If you're trying to build evergreen, you cannot talk about what's going on in the world. You cannot talk about anything that is time-sensitive or timely. Yeah. You, know, you have yeah. to leave all that content out of there. And then, So if you're doing that, um, if you have to leave that content out and you're trying to build an evergreen show, um, you have to be very generic because if you're talking about your kid and then they go mm-hmm. to your website and your Facebook page and they see your kid is now 10 and you were talking about them being in diapers, well, you know, again, you have to be, you have to be very, very careful on that if you're trying to truly build evergreen content for the long haul. Well, plus Todd, there's another part of this too, with this whole binge topic, um, RSS and the the distribution platforms were not built to mm-hmm. really support um, publishing of entire you know blocks of content. Yeah. Um, the, the the whole publishing platform for podcasts was built to deliver episode after episode because a lot of the software Apple software, which is the biggest, um, isn't designed to work with um, you know binge watching a podcast. It's designed to deliver episode after episode. Um, until we change that paradigm and there's some new setting that exists in an RSS feed where, um, you know, but a lot of people still consume this on a subscription, right? So you mm-hmm. subscribe, you select how many episodes you want to have delivered, um, to your device 
and they come out weekly. So these guys that are publishing, um, you know, 10 episodes at once are basically um, thinking that people are coming in and streaming this content, not getting as a download. They can do some things to order. You know, there is the ability to order within iTunes now, but, you know, it, uh-huh. you, you have to really, and I, I don't know if S-Town did that or not. I didn't actually look at their listing to see if they, you, if they did it that way. Yeah, uh, where you, you get chapters sort of like based one, two, on three, four. the oldest first? Uh, you can saying? set it up, and it's, it's tricky. You can set it up so you can do um, oldest, yeah, oldest first, oldest mm-hmm. and newest, but you got to set up a specific set of tags to, uh, to do that. Yeah. Now, I, again, I didn't look at the listing. If someone's in the chat room wants to go look at iTunes, look at S-Town, let me know if they, if they stacked them newest to oldest, but, or oldest to newest. The, um, but, it, and then I always laugh too, and it goes right back to doing things, you know, taking advice of people that understand what's going on in the space. I'm going to launch 10 episodes. That's what I'm going to launch my show with. And I'm like, okay, um, probably your most recent three episodes will probably do the best. Um, you know, that number one, two episode may not even be listened to by a yep. lot of folks. So, you know, if you want to launch with three, that's probably safe, but at least a wait a week before you do number four or at least two or three days. But if S town had put stuff out one new episode every two days, I wonder what the, the, I wonder what their total download volume would have been had they done it that way. But I, I don't know. No one would have consumed S-Town the other way around. They, they specifically knew they had to listen to episode one. So that's a special case, though, Rob. Mm-hmm. It, it was yeah. just kind of an interesting new entry, right? Because, I mean, it's not going to work for reality TV. It's not going to work for sports. It's not going to work for a lot of our shows that are that are kind of, like, relevant to what's happening. But you think it is an interesting new opportunity now for podcasters to, if this is what they choose to do for a specific reason. I mean, S-Town work because, like you mentioned, it's it's almost like a book. It's like you read, yeah. you listen to the book, and then you're done. D- Daniel, was the episodes, and he, Daniel says, S-Town has the same published date on all episodes. Is it listed the the last episode first or the first episode first in their listing? I know it was all published on the same date, but what's the rack and stack? Let me look it up on my phone right now. <laughs> and it may look differently on the phone than it will. Well, it shouldn't look different on the phone. But, you know, we're spending a lot of time in S-Town and the people that listen yeah. to this podcast, we just got to remember too, are largely independent podcast creators. Although we do have our, our secret uh, mystery listeners out there that uh, that listen and send us comments from time to time. I think we had an email actually come in, didn't we, Rob? Did we did we cover that on the last show? I don't think so. I think we tend to just jump in and we sometimes don't pull those in. Yeah, so <laughs> I we're being bad hosts, bad host. We are bad boy. Yeah. The um. Let's see if I can find it. So while we're having this uh, uncomfortable pause here, uh, <laughs> so for those of you that haven't went over to the website, those of you are within striking distance of the of Calgary, let me put this up on the screen for you. Uh, definitely go to podsummit.com. Looks like you've got a few tickets left. It's a single day event happening on May 6th. You've already kind of got the rundown of the speakers. Uh, I see that uh, there was two levels of tickets. Uh, it's uh, appears to be $125, I assume, Canadian to go. 
Yeah. yeah, so basically it's about 50 bucks U.S. at this point in time with our exchange rate. Really? The, the, the exchange <laughs> no, rate's that not. bad? I was going to say, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> There's about 30% difference. So whoever is coming up from the States is getting a great deal on hotels and <laughs> shopping and as well as the conference. Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> Been there, done that, and going to Japan and so forth. But uh, So it looks like it's going to kick off... Um, Going to be a morning mixer starting at 8 a.m., then a 9 a.m. Uh, State of the Union. Um, we got, That's actually, uh, you, you, you didn't know that that's a trademarked uh, term? I'm, I'm, ju- I'm, just, I'm just kidding. Okay, good God. I was like, no. You know what? I had to change the name of the conference once, and I had to change the logo of the conference <laughs> once, so now I'm like super sensitive about everything being in any way remotely similar to anything else. <laughs> but, uh, so, yeah, so it'll be... Yeah, so- uh, I want you to tell us about uh, what that State of the Union is gonna gonna <laughs> cover and how that's gonna be presented. So basically, State of the Union is just gonna be an opener for the conference. We're just gonna talk about the state of podcasting in North America and kind of some of the new trends and things that are happening that people should be aware of. Um, you know, what's interesting about this particular conference is that we have some folks. We have folks coming in that are seasoned podcasters, and we have folks that are coming in that are that are thinking about starting a podcast. So it kind of covers the whole gamut in between. So the State of the Union will talk about some of the trends, such as you know, rising and uh, that there was there's a rise in listenership, different type of devices, some of the things that we talked about today, and then we'll kick it off for the day and give everybody a fair warning because uh, we're going to be do- we'll be doing some live clips and live streaming throughout the day. And uh, also also give them an opportunity to say that, hey, these are some of the really cool things that you can win throughout the day. We have some really great giveaways that we're really excited about as well. Awesome. Hey, Daniel did confirm for us that they are using the the iTunes order tag. So it is uh, Mm. basically chapter one is the first download that they would get. So, but not very many people actually use the chapter tags. So, uh, but they are. So they did at least do that right, Mike. I mean, uh, Rob. But does that mean that once they've uh, subscribed, they don't get an automatic download of the most recent episode then? So, well, if, if they. So you have to go in and actually select that mm-hmm. episode and download it manually. Yeah. Unless you, depending on how you have your subscription set up, but, uh, iTunes defaults to either three or five. Uh, not iTunes, yeah, the Apple point. Podcast app. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. But if you listen so, to the first two or three, you're going to go hunt and look for the rest of them. So, yeah. But it does kind of break the the core function of how podcasting was built as a subscription mm-hmm. model. Yeah, it's it's just a different way to do it. But if you are going to do a series like that, definitely use the iTunes order tag. But here's the problem: that iTunes order tag then is one. They're going to have to create a whole new show listing for their next show. So then the whole audience has got to shift. And I and I have always like, why why would you if if you're gonna do productions like that, then you, you can, you know, why don't you name it something that is um you know, I I, I don't know. I, I think I would maybe look at it a different look different way. I would produce under a brand then and then have the series come in under the brand, but you would have uh, like a collection of series. Yeah, yeah, but again, you can mix it five different ways. You could have both. You could have your, you could have a brand feed, and then you could have a show feed. I think I would have both. I don't know if they do or not, 
I don't know if they've got a collective of uh, of both series. Um, that if, I think if I they're was, both individual as it sits right now. I don't yeah, know. I, I, think I haven't so. seen a collective. Yeah, I don't. I don't think they have. But uh, anyway, that, and this is a, this brings up a really good point too because they leverage the, the the American Life and and uh, and Serial in order to build up an audience of for S Town. Yeah. Right. And so and so with them being three individual properties. Um, you know, the downloads have the downloads were certainly very high for for S Town to start off with, and then is it still going to regain that kind of a trajectory? Still, that'll be an interesting thing to see. You know, once once it dies down a little bit. Yeah, I don't know, but uh, they definitely they definitely their PR team worked really. I mean, it was just like we got slammed with uh, hmm. with articles. Hey, let's go ahead. And wanna, we got a little bit of time left here. Not much actually. Um, so. I want to go through a little bit of the other. I'm just looking at uh, both pod2pod.com and, and podcasternews.com. Uh, for those of you that are not already in the Slack channel for Pod2Pod, uh, definitely uh, request an invite. It's real easy. You just go to pod2pod.slack.com and you, you request a um, request. They'll, they'll approve you immediately. You'll get in. You may even have to be approved, but a lot of people are starting to show up over there. Uh, the Gimlet head of marketing just showed up that does the ad sales. Uh, so there's um, some mainstream folks that are coming in that are, are joining the conversation. So definitely uh, consider that. And then um, I'm just looking through the, uh, the list here. Uh, pod, uh, there was some additional news that came out from podcast movement about them announcing some new speakers. Um, and I, I'm not familiar with these three, but Rabia, Chadre, Colin Miller, and Susan Simpsons are the hosts of The Undisclosed. They're going to be keynoters. Shannon Kaysen, who performed at South By, uh, will be a keynote, keynote uh, speaker. I don't know her either. Uh, or Oh, sorry. He is the host of Homemade, Homemade Stories, uh, which partnered with WEBZ Chicago. And um, what else is in the news? Oh, I'm sure many of you that are Bernie fans know that Senator Bernie Sanders has started a podcast. And Rob, I... I dug into his show a little bit. <laughs> He's actually using the Senate server. Is it, He's actually got an RSS feed that I looked to see if it was compliant or if they were hand jamming it. I think that the Bernie Sanders team is using a tool to create his feed. Um, I don't think it's a native part of the, the, the Senate's system. It may be. But, um, you know, I looked at where the media was being served and he's definitely, uh, using, it looks like government CDNs and stuff. So it looks like that, uh, um, and the sad part about his show is it's a recap of some stuff that he's already done. It's not a lot of original content yet. Yeah, I thought it was part of, um, the audio was coming out of some videos that he was involved in. Yeah, it is. Um, what else has there been in the news here? Of course, there's, um, the Peabody Awards. I don't know if you guys knew about this, but the 2017 Peabody Radio Podcast nominees have been announced. I didn't even know they were taking nominees in the radio podcast category. This is new. So this is something that all of you that will want to watch in the future in order to, if you could win a Peabody as a podcaster, that would be huge. Um, so, uh, a life sentence, victims, offenders, justice, and my mother from transom.org homecoming from Gimlet media, 
How to Be a Girl, Marlo Mack, in partnership with KUOW in Seattle, In the Dark, and APM Reports, The Heart of Silence, The Heart, Silence Evidence Series, uh, This American Life, The Unexplained Disappearance of Mars Patel, Mars Patel LLC from Panoply, Unprison, WNO, and Air, and Wells Fargo Hertz Whistleblowers by NPR. So a lot of radio folks obviously submitted for a Peabody there. So um, in future years, we'll keep track of this. And if they're actually taking nominees for podcasts, that's uh, uh, going to be awesome. Um, Todd, I found that uh, that that email that you were referring to that was sent to us. Oh, go ahead. question about the show. It was fr- from John Troyer. Uh, and he was wanting us to talk about audio players. So you think about, you know, the web embeddable audio players that are out there and the, the options that exist out there and how that's kind of a, um, a little bit of a competitive world. You know, you start thinking about, um, the SoundCloud audio player and you think about, um, you know, each one of us, each of our platforms, um, you know, your platform, Spreaker, um, Art 19, all these guys, everybody's pushing out, uh, these, these very kind of, um, slightly different audio players. And, and, and so he was wanting us to kind of talk about that. And, uh, because he was really, really liking the SoundCloud audio player. And I, I commented back to him that one of the things that, uh, why he sees what he sees in the market around audio players is because, None of the competitors of SoundCloud want to come out with an audio player that's copying what SoundCloud has created uh, very early on, which created kind of a standard in the in the audio playing uh, or the audio player kind of market, right? Um, and I don't think we've really ever talked about this topic very much, and I think it's an interesting one, is kind of how that audio player market has developed o- o- over the years. And I know I've been kind of, you know, you've been involved in it. I've been involved in it. Um, but I don't think there's been much talk about it. Um, but how each of the competitors, right, of SoundCloud, um, you guys, Lipson, us, you know, and all of the platforms out there, we all kind of um, like what SoundCloud does. And we tend to kind of uh, look at it and go, okay, how can we do it a little bit better, right? Or how can we do it a little bit different? Because none of us really wants to copy SoundCloud, Entirely, because we don't want to be known as platforms that are just copycats. Some of have other people. Some yeah. have. <laughs> yeah. So that's that. That's the question that he was really asking was just to have us talk about you know why we do what we do with audio players. Tom, well, do, you, do you have some thoughts on it? Oh, I do. <laughs> you know, my perspective has always been, and you're going to be hearing. And and I apologize. This is you know wearing my blueberry shirt here. This is my perspective. Your brand your podcast, your IP, your feed. You're going to hear me and hearing a lot from me about those specific topics and specifically uh, through our new podcast that we launched at Blueberry called Your Podcast. And when we put our new player together, and this is, there was, you'd be surprised how much dev time and how much money you can spend on on a player. And we're about ready to do round two of it to make it a little more configurable. Matter of fact, that's what uh, we have an intern that's going to get tasked to um, basically make it so that the, our our particular player can be skinned. But I told the uh, the team, and you know, not to dog any of the competitors. And Rob, I haven't looked at your guys' specific player in a little while, but 
we did not want our branding to be on the player. We wanted our customers' branding to be on the player. So in, in any of you that, and again, I apologize, Rob, I can bring up an example of yours if you want me to. You know, sure. if you look at our player on on the new media show, what do I have? I've got the new media show logo. I've got, uh, the, you know, standard player buttons, the ability to subscribe, um, you know, the sharing tools, all the things that, you know, all the modern players have. And it's also embeddable, so you can, someone can take that just like a YouTube embed and put it on another website. But my main thing was nowhere on here does it say Blueberry.com at all. There's no Blueberry logo. If you're paying me to use my service, why do I need to advertise on your show? So that was my, that was kind of my, for a better word, um, sticking point. I, I, I was more worried about loading their site up with branding functionality a player is a player and it, it they, some of them have different looks and designs and i know some people pick hosting providers just because of the player but let's be honest and there's even players being sold uh as as plugins that people are selling separately the uh the number of people that are listening on a website continues to decline <laughs> so it's important because it gives your site this nice look but if you look at your podcast stats, you actually see how many, and we break it out. You can tell how many people actually played on the page um, in your stats. So, um, Rob, yeah. uh, do you have a, a URL that you can send me that I can put yours up? Uh, or maybe I can just go over your website. Well, you could go over to, um, to adore.fm. Adore.fm, okay. Yeah, that's a good good place to quickly get access to some players. Um, okay. So. Yeah, so, so we have, uh, if you sc scroll down and click on the speaker live show, which is at the bottom of the page. Which uh -huh. be better. All right. Right there on the, on the right there. And you'll see a player load so you, there. You've got a playlist player. Go ahead. Yeah. So it, this is like one version of what we have. And, and Todd, we do have some branding on some of our players, but some of our players just have a little star on it and that's all they have on it. Right. But this, this particular version of it does have the, the branding on it. And that's pretty consistent with, uh, you know, with a lot of the platforms in the space. Um, you're kind of the exception to that. And, and I don't disagree with what you're doing. I think it's, it's terrific. Uh, but not all the players in the space um, uh, remove their branding from their players. Almost um, no one does. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. So, so yeah, so this is what we're doing. But as you can see, the show Alamart is the prominent um, experience in the player. But this version of it, you can basically drop this, you know, embed into your web page and basically Oops. have all all your episodes available right there. And then. The, the only real delta then for ours and see if I've got it set up on, <coughs> excuse me. I don't think I have it. We've got a playlist player too, but we, mm, let's see here. Let me bring it up. It looks considerably different. Yeah, here it is. Here's our playlist player. <coughs> Excuse me, but it's using, this is basically using the default WordPress player option where you can build a, a playlist. So it's, mm -hmm. this is not even, 
this is not even um, Blueberry PowerPress specific. This is um, purely designed yeah, from WordPress. Yeah. Hmm. So again, there's, you know, there's, there's 25 ways to skin a cat when it comes to players, but that was our thought process. Again, we, we, in our met our mindset as a company and our philosophy, and I've talked about this many, many times is provide the tools, provide the service, get the hell out of the way and, uh, and don't impact someone's brand and building their show. So, um, it's just, you know, I understand why companies put their branding on there. Obviously, Oh, there's Spreaker, there's Lipson. Let's go over there and look at theirs. And they probably get, you guys probably get business because of that. Um, so do I sacrifice market share? Probably. Um, but again, I, I've also have the advantage of having this, you know, 65,000 people using PowerPress too. So, um, that gives me a distinct advantage. It's kind of a trade-off, right? Um, yeah, exactly. Well, it's going to attract hey, John, a type John, of- who actually, uh, wrote this email, his comment was, um, uh, he feels it's dumb that people are so in love with the SoundClouds, uh, uh-huh. you know, player. Um, but it's dumb to pick a hosting provider from the, based on the player that they offer. And it would make life easier if more people just made a player that looked almost exactly <laughs> the same as SoundCloud. It's, it's, um, it's, it's awful yeah. tempting. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but you know, that little, that little uh, squiggly line they have on a SoundCloud player, it's, it, it has no relation to the actual audio level of the show. It's just some random generated bullcrap. <laughs> it's not actually to this to the level of the actual sound either. That's what makes often makes me laugh. But you know, <laughs> yeah, it does it does just, work, and it's well you know it's easy to navigate. And uh, I get it. There's a certain attraction to it too. And and you know some folks that are considering some folks that are considering uh, a host based on the based on the player. Are clearly thinking about, you know, how am I going to embed this, embed this in my website? Does it is it scalable? Is it responsive? How does it look? Is it going to enhance my branding? So I think the decision that you're making to uh, to remove the Blueberry branding out and make it brandable to whatever website is hosting it, I think that's definitely going to attract a a, a lot of podcasters that want to have that control, and that is a cash in itself. Um, on the other hand, like you mentioned earlier, you know, I was personally I host with Libsyn right now, and uh, I was looking at buying a podcast player uh, plugin and for my WordPress install, and and I haven't really found one that I really liked, and so that is still an opportunity for growth for you know for hosting companies and and for in, if there was a really good plugin that's that's um, that's quick to load and it looks really good on mobile. That would be definitely the way to go, I think, for for a lot of podcasters, and I, and I and I think a lot of podcasters would be willing to switch for that as well. Yeah, I think we're probably going to ultimately sell the player as a separate product offering, but we're not quite there yet. Mm-hmm. But we got to make this next step of making it more, you know, more brand, more more color choices and that kind of stuff. But you know, it's just a you know. It, and what you'll also find too is that a lot of people that are on SoundCloud do not have their own .com. There's a huge, right. huge number of shows over that that's their sole point of presence. And uh, every time when someone tells me that, I just, I just shudder um, because their, their, their world could come tumbling down at any time uh, based on the situation going on over there. But um, I wish I could have lost fifty-six million dollars last year. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, no, technically, you, you could have. Phone. You might not be where you are now, but oh no, we there would be no company. It'd be gone. <laughs> <laughs> so crash and burn. Yeah, yeah, but anyway, thanks for that. That was a good comment. A good, a good discussion point. So, you know, yeah, John, thanks for the the email, and and certainly Todd and I want to see more of these type of emails. Yeah. So, I mean, there's like blind spots that we have that that sometimes our listeners see uh, around topics and th this is certainly a, a great one to talk about so we are already well over 90 minutes and as i yes. can tell the people on, on facebook and youtube are dropping off so we want to think <laughs> they've and, had and, enough of us Todd. yeah absolutely so ernest any final <laughs> comments on pod summit or last promo for it here um you know what if if anybody is in the western area and they want to come visit we'd love to have you um, it's going to be a full day of learning, and uh, we're eventually going to post up the videos as well, so we'll have an opportunity for you to interact one way or the other, and uh, that's about it. You know, I really enjoyed having you uh, being on your show. I really appreciate it. really appreciate the opportunity to talk about podcasting and uh, podcast conference as well. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, thanks for being here. We, we definitely appreciate And Rob, thanks for asking Ernest to come on. Yeah, it was great. So folks, I'm on. I think it has, you know, what what he's doing up there has terrific potential, and and you know, I want to support him. So, and uh, I think uh, a good opportunity to have a good mid-year or middle, you know, kind of in between some of the other shows too. So I think it picked a good time for it. Um, if you want to reach out to us, and I'm making lots of podcaster mistakes by saying I'm a lot today, uh, <laughs> but I won't edit them out, as you know. If you, if you have any comments, you can reach me, uh, Todd, at Blueberry.com or at Geek News on Twitter. Of course, we want you to subscribe to this show at NewMediaShow.com. Click on the iTunes or Android subscribe link, and we do make it available for you Android users to be able to one-click subscribe. Rob, how about you? Where, where can they reach you? Well, I would say send me an email, Rob, at uh, Spreaker.com, and that's with an R. and uh, Or you can just send it to Rob at RobGreenly.com, and I'm on Twitter at RobGreenly, and... Um, you know, definitely want to hear from you. I appreciate everyone hanging out with us for the show today. And Ernest, if they want to send you a, a comment or an email, is there a good contact for you? Absolutely. You can find me at ErnestBarbaric.com. You can find me on Twitter at eBarbaric, E-B-A-R-B-A-R-I-C. I'm happy to connect with as many podcasters as possible to help you promote your shows as well through the conference. So any of those will work. Or hello at ErnestBarbaric.com is my uh, personal email. All right, folks, that's going to wrap us up here today. And uh, I want to thank everyone for, uh, again, for listening or watching, whichever it may be. And uh, make sure you stay subscribed. Everyone take care. We'll see you next. Well, we next weekend, no. I'll be in no. at NAB. So no, yeah. no show and next so weekend. I guess. Uh, <laughs> we'll talk about that schedule here. But uh, uh, all right, everyone take care. We'll see you next time on the new mini show. Take care. Bye-bye.